During the 16th century, countless Spanish conquistadores tore their way through indigenous communities and thick rainforest, watched warily by locals, hungrily by jaguars and cougars, as they slashed through vines in the search of El Dorado, the golden city. It was all in vain, and after a century of looking, they declared it a myth. They didn't realize that the golden city was in all the richness of the land they were standing on. Artist Ana González Rojas embarked on several trips deep into the Choco rainforest region in Colombia a few years ago, only to realize that gold mining, deforestation, and forced displacement has begun to destroy El Dorado. The work she produced from these trips weaves photography with textiles, creating enormous tapestries of the natural world that's slowly disintegrating, quite literally through the loose thread that hangs at the bottom of the works. Like these silk and canvas paintings, when you pull on the world's thread, something happens to the other side. My name is Rosario Lebrijaras Betayev, and this is Sublime Art, a podcast that brings you artists from all mediums whose work calls on the sublime. Today, artist and architect Ana González Rojas welcomes us into her studio in Bogotá. Ana graduated as an architect from the University of Los Andes, specialized in art and gender at Trinity College in Dublin, and did her master's in photography printing editing at ESNBA and ESCP in Paris. Not only does her work capture the sublime power of nature, but her current exhibition in Toledo, Spain, is being held inside the sublime setting of the Oratorio de San Felipe de Neri a church founded in the second century and later rebuilt in the 16th century, around the time of the Spanish conquest. This 18-meter-long textile work contains the image of Salto del Tequendama, a natural waterfall in the Bogotá River of the Andes Mountains. The irony and beauty of this monumental undertaking, displaying a Colombian mythical waterfall within a church in Spanish ground, after centuries of Westerners looking for El Dorado, is not lost on me. Welcome to another episode of Sublime Art. Today we are invited into the intimate studio of Ana González in Bogotá, Colombia. Ana is an incredibly poetic and inspiring artist whose work engages with her Colombian heritage in a unique and poetic way. She has been exhibited in Colombia, Norway, Hong Kong, Miami, Venezuela, Switzerland and Germany, amongst many other places. Ana, thank you so much for welcoming us into, not on your studio, but this is your home, right? No, this is my studio, my new studio. I had a little one, and this is like one, a new one just for a few weeks. So I'm very excited because it's like a big studio for my big works that are coming out. Yeah, because you do these incredibly large-scale works, correct? Yes, actually, I, I started doing very small-scale works, like uh, very intimate in, and uh, very delicate with porcelain and gold. But then, um, as I use another other kind of techniques, I started to 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 have a new new dimensions in my work. So now they're like really big. So it's coming, but it's coming slow. And I love the intimate and small work that I do. So it's 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 gonna be always. But I know that I have to. To, to, to send and other kind of messages that have to be sent in bigger dimensions. Because you think maybe bigger is more impactful? Yes, maybe sometimes they need to, to grow, not all of them. All of them 
it depends on the message, it depends on the, the theory that I work, but I, I really love uh, big dimensions for when there are lots of people coming to a place and there's like one big work, it's usually very, it, it, it makes you think, no? As, as a small thing also makes you, um, sends another message, but the big works send, big, big works send big messages also. Mm. Mm. But there's also power in silence and murmurs and these yes. smaller works that yes. make you stop, but you actually have to stop to look at them rather yes. than them stopping you. Yes, exactly. And that's what I've been doing all my life. I, in my work, is, it, it talks about femininity, fe, fe, the feminine side, uh, also talks about the uh, crafts, about um, a lot of uh, small things in the intimacy. But as I get closer to nature, you, you start to understand that you are so small in, in this big scene. So that's what also I have to show in, my, in bigger spaces, is like what you feel when you go into the jungles or to the mountains of the Andes, or you, you start to have this, this, this feeling that it's, it's so uh, unique and big and you're so small and that you're destroying it little by little. So it's important to, to, to send this message that when you go into the jungle, you're really going into it. You're mm. entering in another dimension. And that's why I need bigger spaces to show that. And before we delve into these incredible works that you've done, for example, there's some behind us uh, that we were talking about earlier of the, the jungle actually being disintegrated. You physically put it into the work. I want to go back and start um, at the beginning of your career because I've actually read, uh, doing a bit of research to interview you, that you said uh, you always knew you would dedicate yourself to the arts. You just didn't know exactly how it would form. Why is that? Was that a calling since you were born or was it developed later on in life? No, I think I had this all my life. I, I, I think the first prize that I won, my mom tells me, because I don't remember, was when I was three or four years old that she put me in, like a, in a district um, prize. But it just like, in, not in a neighborhood, but in the city. And I actually won a big elephant for the, the drawing that I did. And I was very young. And then I started to draw, I draw, I've been drawing all my life, and sculpting also. And I know I have this small gift to, to draw, to use a pencil or um, oil or acrylic, it depends, I, it doesn't matter. And I didn't know exactly what to do with my life, and actually I started by, by just uh, studying architecture, which I, which I loved. But it was always looking, I was always looking at uh, the arts scenery and to the faculty of arts. And then uh, I realized I loved photography, so I studied photography. And then I worked in photography, in magazines, in edition, in books. And then I went to Paris and I studied more. So then the, the life it took me to a lot of different places before I really opened my studio and started to really do a, a serious work with, with the things that I wanted to share. But at the beginning, it was, it was just me and the drawing. And then, it, but this was like 
always it has been always with me i had this this instinct with uh, that to work with my hands knitting sewing um um, drawing, painting, sculpting, so this is like what I have inside and even uh, even if I don't know what to what message to send with what I'm doing with my hands it's it's coming it's coming you're talking about all these experiences that life led you towards so you started out here but then you went to Dublin then you went to Paris what uh, drew you back to Colombia I always wanted to come back because um, for me, lands, Colombian landscapes and South American tropic is like my life. I don't see myself living in the cold weather, for example. I can't. It, it, it's too, too much for me. So I love to go to Europe. My father uh, was a very important um, influence for me because he, he he traveled with me and my mother all the time to Europe they loved me they wanted me to to see every museum every gallery every every monastery every church every architectural thing that appeared and so I was very lucky to to go uh, almost every year to Europe to understand the the legacy from Europe but then I was I I, I, I thought I I felt after living in Dublin, which I loved, or in Paris, that um, th there was everything was done there, and in, in South America there was so much to do and so much to work with, and there was this this nostalgia all the time uh, that I needed to go back home, and then I I came here to Bogota, and what I did is that well, I started to travel around. Colombia and to come back to my my roots, which were not only not just Bogota, the capital, but, but my parents' ancestors, and travel around the, the 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 indigenous cultures and all around the country. At this point, you were already doing the large scale format, or were you looking at the smaller? No, just a small scale. I was like just uh, I just focus on focusing. In painting, small paintings, uh, in drawing, and, and in small porcelain, which I was learning, and then I came here and I I started to 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 grow a little bit, but it was little by little. I started with the small bees, with the small birds, the hummingbirds, everything in in the nature. It, it starts so small, so I started to look at this, to to look at these small things that you already missing in this um, rushing all the time. So then I started to, to grow the, the, the work. But at the beginning, we was just looking and just doing small things, uh, small, small details that I observed in nature. What was your favorite piece from this time? Well, I think one of my favorites it's, uh, is, is the bee, is that I started to, to work with... Uh, a scientific, a Colombian scientist that um, he, he, he's been doing like a, a research for a lot of years, like for 10 or 15 years about the bees in Colombia. N not bees, they're, they're called Euglosa, Euglosini. And I did this because it's been on Earth for more than 20,000 um, 
million years. The bees. The bees. So his studies actually is the, the, the mutualism, the relationship between this bee and an orchid, which just lives in, in Ecuador and Colombia and Costa Rica. So he started to do this research, and I was, I, I was amazed about this research and how to communicate and socialize such a beautiful idea that um, two uh, so different species were together for so long and have been able to survive all kinds of, um, of um, crises in the world, of natural crises. So the glossa I did it very small, like scale, the scale which, and uh, I did it in recycled gold, which is uh, one of the main problems in, in our countries, our tropical countries, is the the gold mining. So I started to recycle gold, not to use the, the gold itself, but recycle it. And with this recycle, I did the, these small bees, like looking what we are destroying, what the small things and small um, interactions were destroying. Hmm. Yeah, and the bees are so important to the world, right? I think people yes. underestimate what such a tiny animal actually exactly. gives to the environment. Exactly. The, that, and I found out that they're not the same, but all of them are silently doing such an amazing work. And I think, as an artist, what I, I, why I have to do is to socialize and to, to work in the awareness of these, um, these interactions and of these lives that live, and thanks to that, we are alive and we already exist. But nobody stops just an artist because you have the time to look at it and work on it and sketch it and understand it and then socialize it and, and show it to the children in the schools, to the universities, to when you talk. And I find powerful um, objects from the memories and from, and from the stories that I see that I can show in a different way, like in a more symbolic way. Mm. Yeah, it's incredibly powerful, these images and, and the small things. Uh, as you say, I, I love what you said about silence, right? Uh, that, that they are carrying forward their work silently, and exactly. that's powerful as well. Yes, it's uh, <coughs> one of the other main uh, lines of my work is the, the feminine side, and it's this silent part. Where, like The world has these two sides, the, the, the masculine side, the feminine side, not talking about men and women, but this uh, energy. Yeah, the yin and yang in each person, I always Exa say that. Exactly, yeah. and this feminine energy or power uh, is more silent, is more in intuitive, is not so rational, and it tends to work in silence with uh, a lot of um, ways to communicate. And that's how, for example, the indigenous communities try to communicate between mother, grandmother, mother to children. In the good side, no? Not in like in a radical side, but it's like the, 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 the intuitive side. It's funny you say that. I always, actually, like most of my academic uh, studies we're focused on that energy and the imbalance we have nowadays with the masculine and the feminine and how, in, the, in a way, the world is sick because we have 
devalued the feminine side so much because order and the rational and this imposing uh, masculine, which is very valuable yes. if it's you know balanced out by the exactly. feminine. Um, and I find that so fascinating and probably yes. why I was so attracted to your work. Yes. But going back to, to Mutum, is that mm-hmm. how you pronounce it? Yes, Mutum. Yeah, Mutum, which is this work you did with bees yes. and the scientists. Yes. Um, I find it really interesting because, and you mentioned predators, yes. right? The symbiotic relationship that the bee has with the flower and how each one, each one gives and the other one receives and this mutual cycle um, some people have said and I've actually interviewed artists that say that there's there's a very valuable part to violence there's a very valuable part to the predatory side what would you say to that in relationship to to the bees and to this work yes I actually I agree I think that you, you can find it everywhere because of the violence you see a lot of violence a lot of um, destructive things, but also you see a lot of happiness and a lot of uh, joy. And it's hard to understand why pleasure and pain are so together, no? So it's just so um, distant to indifference. It's more, the indifference is in one side, but in the other side there is a passion and love, but also destruction. And so it's hard to understand that why a country which is so beautiful and, and, and people are so happy in, in a lot of ways has so much pain. And so I think it's when you have this pain. So I think in nature, in my work actually, there are two sides also. So there's destruction, but after destruction, there are small leaves that grow in, in, the, in the dark, and then you have life again. So I think this is uh, one of the most beautiful things to see. You see death, you see uh, a lot of violence, but you see also life, and you see how everything recycles, how people displaces, but also they grow again, and they are like born again. So that's what I love. Yeah, I think that it's, it's incredible how people here you know, are able to let go of that control, especially in all of Latin America, because there is so much violence, because there is so much of the unpredictableness that I think in the Western world, they have a tighter leash on control. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that's part of the problem, right? That we don't adhere to these natural cycles. We want to force everything to be the way we want it to be. Yes, exactly. Mm. You see a lot of control of it. Um, I want you to tell us about Hijas del Agua, because this is an incredible series, um, which actually reached uh, international scale. Um, and uh, and I w- I'm personally very attracted to it, because it's absolutely beautiful. But maybe you can tell us how this project started. It was also a collaboration, right? Yes. I love to collaborate. I think the messages are so powerful when you work with different people, not just artists. And here it's um, it's a beautiful work with an amazing friend, which who is um, Ruena Fanador. Actually, we met in a, in a trip to Chiribiquete, which is one of the most beautiful places on earth. In Colombia, is like a nature, uh, a reserve, reserve, you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been protected all the time, and for a for a, it, it's that that's incredible because the worst predator that we have in Colombia, which is the cocaine and the gorillas, 
And you used also gold in this series, not only in the bees you were talking about earlier, but some of the images uh, themselves you threaded with golden string and thread. Uh, what does that mean for you, the textile side of it, and the gold, again, coming up in your work? Well, the textile for me is a very important part of my work because uh, it's like the feminine part of of uh, the textile and the thread and uh, when I sew. It's very important for me because it reminds me of this heritage of, uh, of crafts, of uh, artisans, of, uh, from the pre-Columbian history that we have that uh, they work with gold, but they work also with the textiles. They have been eliminated all over, but we all ha but we have the still have the the presence of it in museums and and, and in the cultures. They they still sew. They still uh, have this beautiful way of um, doing the mochilas, which has more than eight thousand years of uh, history. A mochila. So uh, for me, textiles are a way to evoke uh, and to and to intervene with, for for example, with a golden thread is important for me because it's going back to the, before the, con the Spaniard conquest, it's going back to our roots, to the Chipchas, to the Tayronas, to the, all the indigenous um, cultures here that use it and use textile. They used indigo, was first here in Peru, and it's called añil. So they work with a lot of textures, a lot of textiles, a lot of um, pigments. Mm that uh, allow them to make these sacred messages. For example, blue is the most sacred uh, color for a lot of communities. It's like sacred because it, it evokes water. So I started to work with the textiles as a woman, as this feminine part also. It's like my, one of my most important parts. And there I started to, to um, sublimate my photographs in the in the textiles, but also work on them. This was before the Hias del Agua work that I intervened these photographies in different ways. But I'd love to do it with my textiles. And when the I arrived to textiles, I just like to unthread and to intervene the 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 textile and the message with the gold thread for example is that we've been called in Colombia or when El Dorado El Dorado is like the golden place where the Spaniards wanted to find all the gold from the indigenous communities and actually it was never found or if it was found we we never knew and they took it out and there's nothing left just like the golden museum but the gold has been uh, uh, the the gold has been seen like uh, a, a precious metal, but what my works tend to say is that our El Dorado, our gold, is the nature, not the the material. So that's why gold goes comes and goes in every work that I have. It's like remember that El Dorado or the, this paradise in gold is is nature, is, a, is the environment that we have to care because it's going to disappear in a, few, in a few years. So the gold is more evoking this El Dorado, which has been a mistake. Yeah, I find gold so fascinating. I don't know why this whole year. Uh, you know how sometimes 
the universe like sends you things and I've been seeing gold in a lot of places I think I need to write a poem about it or something because uh-huh. I it keeps popping up in my life and I find gold such a fascinating subject because it's full of these um juxtaposed ideas right so it's it's incredibly valuable but it's not valuable at all it's a you know a way that the conquest kind of controlled and and it's what they saw value in and at the same time you know because it was so wonderful it destroyed so it's violence but it's it's luxury but at the same time it's beautiful you know it's for me it's such a beautiful color um and yet it has such a dark side so it, mm-hmm. it kind of reflects everything we've been talking about the yin and the yang and I know, it's such a it's such an incredible concept yes the gold is for for the our ancestors in america they say it's the 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 sun and they think that the gold they were born from gold and silver and gold and silver were together and then the human the humans were born so it's like really a precious and sacred material which has to be appreciated and not touched no that's one of the messages They have a lot of messages, but that is one of the most powerful. Mm. Yeah, no, that gave me chills also thinking about all the... There's so many cultures around the world that do talk about gold underneath, you know, the goblins and the gold under, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Exactly. Um, going back to what you were th- saying before about textiles and thread, be right behind you in your studio right now, plastered on the wall is this really beautiful piece um, and and there are threads hanging under it they have been unthreaded in a way the same the same way you've been saying can you tell us about this piece um, and what it well, refers to it's it's a piece uh, which is called Paramo de los Monjes which is a, 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 a sacred place for a community in the south of Colombia And this actually, the, the picture is from uh, um, uh, Paramo. Paramo is uh, the mountain, uh, the highest mountains in like uh, 3,000 meters high, where you go and you find these beautiful landscapes. And But the thing is that they are disappearing little by little because underneath the, you have the gold and other materials that they take out. So now it's a, it's been a big... Uh, mess and a, a lot of things have been going on because the communities are trying to protect these paramos or places where the gold is underneath and but anyway the, it's difficult to protect them and there's a lot of illegal gold mining and so they're disappearing and these are like the most sacred places where they the the, the communities offered to the gods for the Where the, where the water is, um, uh, starts to, to grow. The rivers are born in the paramos, so you cannot uh, attack or be a predator of the paramos because that's where the water grows. And this is a, a, a big problem right now. So this piece is more like, uh, it is for remember us that little by little and thread by thread, We are disappearing the landscape. We are taking it down. We're tearing down everything just because of uh, a material. Is mm-hmm. and so that's more the the message of um, of such a sacred place. That's no, an incredibly powerful work, just as all the other mm-hmm. works we've talked about. And I think all of it gets wrapped up by this yin and yang, by this um, very quiet uh, but very powerful message that you're putting across. 
the sublime, actually. And this podcast is about the sublime. So to wrap it up, because I know we're short on time now, I just want to ask you, what is your relationship to the sublime as an artist? And um, do you have, have you ever thought about the sublime um, in your practice? Yes, I think the one of the most important works as an artist is to find these small things in the everyday life that you find and that you as an artist can transform it. It's like an alchemist and you you just find a moment, a history, um, um, a moment in nature, a moment in the woods, in the jungle, that you see this is like, this is divine, this is sacred. You, what, what I as an artist try to do is to, to, to turn it into a sublime thing, that when you see it, you, you, there are no words needed. There are no rational or conceptual things that you have to talk about. It's more that you, you get the message to your heart, to your, to your um, senses. And that is the sublime for me. For me, the sublime is not uh, any rational accommodation. No, it's more, more a, a, a feeling in your heart, like a heartbeat with something, and you, like a, in a click, you get it. You see how sacred is a bee, how sacred is uh, uh, nature, how sacred is an interaction, but with a small symbol. And I think the, that is what is sublime in, in, in art. Yeah, it's so powerful. So powerful what you just said. And I think it also relates back to what you were saying about these communities, that they don't have words. I love that because I'm, I've been obsessed with the semiotic and the symbolic worlds for so long because there are so many things that we can't really express through words, most of these being art, being emotions, um, yeah. that art and music and all these kind of less symbolic mediums try to uh, express, which I think you do quite well, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the most beautiful messages that these communities told me, for example, the Kogi community in the Sierra Nevada, Santa Marta, in the north of Colombia, there's this beautiful community, Kogi. They're really away from the world, and they say they call themselves our eldest brothers. We are the youngest brothers, and they are the eldest brothers. And they say that uh, we missed this spiritual connection to the world. Somewhere in the history of humanity, we lost this spiritual connection. And it cannot be um, acquired through words or, or through rational thinking. It has to be um, linked by your heart. So you have to have this real commitment, spiritual commitment, again. But it's not, it's not very easy. It's not, it's not easy to find it when we're living in the cities that we live. But uh, they think that that is the only way that we can preserve the nature, is going back to these roots and going back to have this spiritual connection where you really think Earth as a living, a, a living person. They say mountains are spirits, water has a spirit, um, uh, every, every bird has a spirit, and you are spirit, and we are nature, and they are nature. So this uh, relationship 
this spiritual relations is, is, has been broken, has to be like restored. Mm. Well, I hope we can come to that point at some <laughs> point. And, and I think the work that you and other artists that are touching on this and communicating it in different ways um, is hopefully leading us back to this path. But thank you so much for receiving us in this incredibly spacious and light and beautiful space <laughs> and making time for us. No, thank you, because I love the questions. Actually, it's not very often you, you get these beautiful questions from your work. So, welcome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sublime Art Podcast. Don't miss our next episode, where we explore the sublime with another artist.